0: or complete terms.
2: You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM640. John and Ken Show, John Cobalt and Ken Champeau KFI AM640, live
3: everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We start this hour by bringing Steve Beloy back to the show, a senior legal fellow at the Energy and Environment Legal Institute. And he wrote an editorial that appeared in the Wall Street Journal. About this story that uh, July 3rd and July 4th were the two hottest days on Earth on record. As he says, it comes from the global warming industry. And, of course, they got a lot. And I mean a lot of media play those two days. Uh, Supposedly the hottest
2: in 125,000 years. Say that out loud. July 4th (laughs) was the hottest in 125,000 years. Uh, uh, Somebody check how long humans have been around. Because I think we, we evolved into our current form about 100,000 years ago. Let's uh, get Steve uh, on the line here. Steve Malloy. Hey, John, how are you doing? All right, so, Ken? Steve, uh, you Hi. you can explain this to us. Um, yeah. How would they know what the temperature was globally 125,000 years ago?
4: Well, they don't. I think that's the joke. I mean, they're making these claims which get parroted through the lamestream media. Um, you know, the claim is based on satellite uh, gathered data to start with. Now, what satellites did they have 125,000 years ago? <laughs> Absolutely none. And if you look into it just a little bit deeper, you see that you know mo- most of the world where people live wasn't really warmer. There was this uh, incredible heat wave over the Antarctic. You know, went from like. You know, normally it's it's wintered down there right now and normally it's like, you know, seventy below and but and it went made it up to thirty below, right? It's still pretty cold. But you know, that uh you know forty degree difference over a large area, well, obviously that's gonna affect this, you know, bogus notion of a global average global temperature, which of course nobody lives at. Where do you measure it? You know, Al Gore says the earth has a fever, where do you put the thermometer? We we didn't um, um
2: we didn't even have thermometers till what, the eighteen hundreds?
4: Uh, Yeah, basically around that. But we we haven't had reliable measurements of – we still don't have reliable measurements of global temperatures. Much of the Earth's surface is still not covered. Even where we measure temperatures, they're not accurate to within um, one degree centigrade. And, of course, that is the amount of global warming the alarmist claim we've had since industrialization. We can't even really measure it.
2: I mean, we were, we barely had people around 125,000 years ago. We certainly didn't have thermometers. We didn't have satellites. We didn't have thermometers till the 1800s. I can remember that weather satellites came around the late 1970s, around 1978, yeah. 79, I think. Yep. So so any anything pre all those uh, demarcations is just total nonsense.
4: Well, yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, the reason I brought up the Antarctic um, heat wave is because that's probably been happening a lot over the course of time. And if we're going to say, well, this is the hottest day based on that, well, we have, we've never been, really been able to measure that until recently, until we've had satellites. There's, you, there, there aren't very many temperature stations down there. None of them are really reliable. Um, the whole thing is just made up, like all of climate. Uh, You know, I pointed out in my article that if you looked at where where people actually live and, and, you know, measuring actual temperatures where people live, uh, the Earth is about 57 and a half degrees, has been that way for a very long time. Uh, You know, nothing has changed recently. This is not the hottest June. This is not the hottest July. This is not the hottest year. This is just another year, another month, another day, another week.
2: So where, where do they get the extra heat from? Because you write that the temperature probably averages around 57, not 62. Well, they
4: got, they got it from this Antarctic heat wave, which... Just that. You know, yeah, we've only you know been measuring recently. So that 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 threw off That's the it. whole world's temperature average. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, ar- the Arctic is at exactly average right now and has been for uh, months now. There's nothing unusual going anywhere. This is just, you know, summer and weather... Uh, you know, it's been hot before in California. It's been hot before in, in Arizona. It's been hot before in Texas. You know, in 1980, Texas had a heat wave that went on for about um, you know, 10 weeks or so. 2,000 people died. Back then, it was just a heat wave and bad weather. And, 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 you know, it wasn't climate change or global warming. Now we've completely weaponized all these terms.
2: Are, are you aware of uh, any explanation as to why we had ice ages and why they ended? <laughs>
4: Well, you know, there are, um, you know, the the Earth goes around the Sun and there's a little bit of a wobble. Uh, There's this, you know, Milankovitch cycle, it's called. Uh, Also, there are, you know, all sorts of changes that go on in the Earth. You know, the Earth is, you know, the core of the Earth is very hot and that is changing. Uh, You know, I mean, the Earth is constantly changing. And this notion that, you know, climate alarmists want you to believe that, well, you know, if everyone has, we just have windmills and solar panels, we're going to go back to the climate of yesteryear. No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't even know what that means.
2: (laughs) But this is a lot of money for a lot of people, isn't it?
4: Yeah, this is trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, you know, the alarmist community, they want to spend $270 trillion uh, over the next 30 years getting to net zero. John Kerry, once we get to, to you know, this is really funny, once we get to net zero, John Kerry wants to spend another $1.6 quadrillion dollars sucking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. Quadrillion? He was asked to, yeah, quadrillion. He was asked about that last week at, at the House hearing. Yeah, he wants to he wants to suck out of the air 1.6 trillion tons of carbon dioxide, and each you know doing that costs a thousand dollars a ton. So that works out to 1.6 quadrillion dollars. I mean, the guy is crazy. Huh? They're all crazy.
2: I think you know what? You're the first person I've ever heard to use the phrase quadrillion to describe to describe, <laughs> describe a
3: spending plan. Uh, this uh, this temperature uh, claim, uh, Steve, came from the University of Maine's climate reanalyzer. Which you yes. write relies on a mix of satellite temperature data and computer model guesstimation. This story got so much play in the media everywhere. It comes from just this University of Maine's climate reanalyzer.
4: Uh, yeah, that's no, exactly yeah, and and they're the ones that uh, they use some satellite data, some computer models, and of course, none of these computer models work. It's just making stuff up. And because it got this really shocking answer, you know, the, the, the dirty secret is that. This year has been cool, and not only has this year been cool, there's been no global warming in the past almost nine years, despite emissions of 500 billion tons. You know, we're taught that every emission warms the planet. Well, the last 500 billion have warmed nothing. So that's why the media is going just absolutely bonkers this year with every heat wave and everything they can make up. They're just throwing any everything and anything against the wall, hoping it
3: sticks. We were talking about this last hour that uh, media, especially the media here in California, was pretty quiet the first six months because it was a pretty cool beginning to the year. Yeah. As soon as this heat wave hit last week, holy mackerel, the stories just multiplied. In fact, yeah. what was why did
2: that happen? We had one of the coolest six-month stretches that anybody could remember.
4: Okay, so... The, what's really, what really is controlling our climate and has for at least the last 40 years has been these uh, El Ninos that come out of the Pacific. And the last El Nino, the last time we had global warming was in 2015. And then we went into this, the, the negative phase of that, the La Nina phase, where there's some cooling. And then, you know, now we're going and, – and, and we had, a, like, a, a three years of La Nina, so that made it pretty cool, and that's why you got all that rain in the, in the uh, winter and spring and why it's been, uh, you know, cloudy and cool. Uh, and so now we're going into an El Nino phase, and the El Nino is, once again, going to drive temperatures up a little if it's, if it's strong enough. And so that, that's really what's going on. It's these El Ninos that emissions have nothing to do with.
3: And I like the way you also wrote – 96% of US temperature stations produce corrupted data. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Well, it's just
4: it's it's very hard to get a real real measurement. You know, a lot of these temperature stations tend to be in uh, urban heat islands, you know, the urban heat island effect is where, like, you know, if you look at your local weather map in the, in the evening, you see urban areas, you know, cities are warmer than the countryside. That's because of all the asphalt and concrete waste heat. Oh, yeah, my driveway uh, is
2: uh, 10 degrees right. hotter than, uh, right. than right. after I pull so, the car out down
4: the block. So if you have a, a temperature station at an airport, which is nothing yeah. but concrete and asphalt and hot air coming out of jet engines, well, you're going to get a biased result. So there is, there's a lot of that, and there's a lot of other things that can corrupt temperature readings. And uh, you know, people have done research and found that you know 96% of these stations um, are corrupted. They're not accurate to within one degree centigrade, which is you know the, exactly the amount of global warming they claim we've had. So we really don't know what's going on at all. You know, you throw in this, you know, the Antarctic heat waves. Um, who, who knows? Who knows what global temperatures really been? But they, you know, the alarmists want us to give up fossil fuels, destroy our standard of living. Uh, they want to tell us how to live, where to live, what kind, what kind of electricity we can have, what kind of food we can eat. It's all crazy.
3: All right, Steve. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming yeah. on.
4: Thank you. Yep. Bye bye.
3: Steve Malloy, senior legal fellow at the Energy and Environment Legal Institute, and also writes about what he calls junk science. And this was about the report. That Earth's had its hottest temperature, you know, one hundred twenty-five. our average temperature, 125,000 years. John and Ken, KFI, AM640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. Johnny Ken show. John Cobell, Ken Shampoo, KFI, AM640, live
2: everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, live on the radio from 1 until 4, and then after 4 o'clock, it's uh, John and Ken On Demand, the podcast, so you can catch up on what you missed. We have spent
3: a lot of time since the pandemic talking about the rampant fraud that affected the Employment Development Department, that's California's unemployment office, $30 ripped off from our unemployment system by all sorts of fraudsters, including prisoners and prisoners' friends. Uh, We've mentioned this story many times, but now we're going to move to another one that's kind of under the radar, and it comes from a term that has really gotten popular in the last few years, it is the term ghosting. John, you've heard the term ghosting? Uh, people yes. say this a lot when with dates or people they know I got ghosted.
2: Uh, I've heard it with uh, a couple of guys who run restaurants have told me they get ghosted by job applicants. They're no. hired, but they never show.
3: Even well, what's the loss there? Except you feel like you've got the position filled and then you don't. But <laughs> You're not paying anything. But right? they've been it's ghosted. T- it's like, hey, you start Monday. Monday comes, no sign of them. Well, this is about the California Community College System and ghost students. You see... Colleges are very aggressive in trying to recruit students, and one of the things that's become very popular in the last, I don't know, 10 years, you see all the commercials, you can get your degree online. That's right. You don't have to actually physically come to a classroom. Study online. Take your tests online. Get your diploma online. We have a fake school. We're offering a fake degree online. Well, in this case, they aren't fake schools. They're real community colleges, but the students are fake, and it's because... The fraudsters are looking for financial aid. The story starts out with a great one, a man by the name of Richard Valacenti. He got a check in the mail for $1,400 last summer. The U.S. Department of Education notified him the money was a mistake. It was an overpayment of a $3,000 Pell Grant he used to attend Saddleback College in Orange County. Well, Valacenti is 64 years old, and he never applied for any Pell Grants. Uh, He's actually a radiation oncologist at UC Davis. He's never even heard of Saddleback College. So they used his personal information to make him a student, a ghost student, to apply for money, grant money. That's what the fraudsters are up to. And when you read this story in the San Francisco Chronicle, that they get away with this at an alarmingly high rate. More than 460,000 of the 2.3 million requests to the California Community College online application system since July alone, it's about twenty percent are probably scammers. Think about that; those numbers can pile up. Well, it's four
2: hundred sixty thousand times how many dollars?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a. But... Community colleges are required to accept any student in the state with a high school diploma and a social security number is not required See, to apply for this. And there
2: you go, because you let in so many illegal aliens. And these stupid progressives say, well, we can't require social security numbers. Not everyone has a social security number. That's just not fair. Well, this is what happens. And then they close the schools because of their stupid COVID panic. Look at all the layers of stupid here, okay? yeah. There's no social security number. COVID shuts down the schools forever. And then you're allowed to take your course online. Nobody ever has to see your face. You can take your online course. You don't have to have your screen on.
3: Yeah. And, and, the the and, fraudsters are human, but they use bots, software algorithms, to mimic enrolled students. They talked to Kim Rich, a criminal justice instructor at uh, Pierce College near L.A., who says that she's got to ferret out these fake students. Uh, she looks for consecutive ID numbers, similar email patterns that don't match student names and birth dates from the 60s and 70s and indicate that these people are too old for a community college. Well,
2: why don't you make them come in to get their loan? Well, get eventually they do. That is, That often happens, it's, yes. Uh, do you think banks do this? you think Bank of America does it for people uh, who want to get a mortgage?
3: The chancellor's office now requires colleges to send monthly reports of their fake students. And administrators, apparently in one case, at City College in San Francisco, 29 bogus students received over $22,000 in Pell Grants. Administrators just blocked 505 ghost students from this summer's classes. And of yeah. more than 4,300 suspicious enrollments, more than 10% were probably fake yeah. students. And how
2: many got through? Uh, They're only talking about the ones that they uh, that they caught. Right. But there's probably hundreds and thousands that, that blew through.
3: Yeah, so this Pierce College story, this woman had uh, two eight-week classes that were supposed to begin on April 10th. Each were filled with 40 students by early March. So she was asked to teach another. It filled up in a week. She was kind of shocked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after she analyzed her three rosters, enrollment in one class dropped from 40 to 29, and another down to 22, and the last to just two students. <laughs> because she it's started the, at the face. It was the right. same bots. Right.
2: Well, one department eliminated 80 ghost students, and another 80 showed up within an
3: hour. 80 ghosts an hour. Total enrollment at Pierce was at 7,700 before the college's eight-week classes began this spring. By the time instructors cleared the ghost, enrollment was down to uh, just under 5,000. Just like that.
2: So, so like, a third of the enrollment was fake, and they were looking for money.
3: Well, You can see how easy this is to do this, because you're just doing this all by remote
2: uh, application. Yeah, exactly. So, why don't you you end all that? How about uh, you want to enroll, and you want money and you, we you have to show up and you show up and we want to see ID and we want your fingerprint.
3: Yeah, some have we we rules to that you have you. to show up at least once to the class. Yeah. Because that would defeat the point of recruiting more students who can who can't get to the college cuz they have jobs or whatever well, so it, yes, they want to work on their own time. Or, or or stealing the ID of of people who
2: are 65 years old, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's what he did, right?
3: Yeah. He took this guy's identity. That's right. They, so when you have it. to
2: show up, then, okay, that scam is is toast. There's no way around it. Once, once you need real bodies to show up in class, God, that's, the whole bureaucracy in California from top to bottom is stupid and lazy, and they don't care about all this money that gets blown out. It's just nobody, just nobody cares. It's our <laughs> stupid
3: tax money. Well, apparently some of the... College people interviewed well, here. The sure. officials are trying to define well, the match.
2: Yes, the, the a professor cares because she has a class scheduled for 80 kids, and now there's two right, or something like that. So, yes, yeah, she cares, but the people who set up the system, they don't yeah. think for five minutes. Like, well, what's going to happen if we never require a human being to engage with us personally? What What's going to happen? You're giving away free money. I I mean, it's obvious, especially after the EDD scandal where they they blew 30 billion dollars on all the worldwide fraudsters. Of course, this goes on constantly all day, all night. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people around the planet
3: who are are, are scamming one program or another. All right. we got more coming up. John and Ken KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app.
2: For the Johnny Ken Show, John Cobalt and Ken Shampo, it's KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And the iHeart app is where you can hear the Johnny and Ken On Demand podcast.
3: And, you know, this is kind of a two-parter. We did a story that was run in the San Francisco Chronicle entitled, How Ghost Students Are Applying to Colleges to Steal Financial Aid. We talked a lot that during the pandemic, people were stealing unemployment money. But what also started and got bigger during the pandemic was stealing community college aid money by what they call using ghost students. That is, they would probably collect the name and some identifying information of real people, but stick them in there as prospective community college students and then apply for financial aid, which would get diverted to the fraudster. Uh, It says here, although the state software has caught more than half of fraudulent admission applications since July, It still left about 200,000 sham applications. Uh, The Pell Grant is the most common. It's a federal college subsidy for needy students and fraudsters love to try to steal that money. We're gonna talk to uh, someone who reached out to us because uh, she's mentioned in the article. Kim Rich is a criminal justice instructor at Pierce College. Uh, It's a community college uh, in Woodland Hills. And uh, she apparently uh, uh, is an expert. Uh, at identifying these fake students in her online classes and of course that's the other part of this if the student is online they don't necessarily show up in front of you in the classroom it would be easier for them to be a ghost let's get kim on the show and talk more about this kim how are you great how are you Uh,
2: good thanks thanks for coming on all right explain what you've seen from uh, your post at pierce college
5: um, well, this really started basically a couple of years ago, and the pandemic was really the catalyst for um, allowing this to happen. Obviously, financial aid fraud has been around forever, but, you know, being online really enabled them to take advantage of the situation. And also the free-flowing money that our government's been handing out also didn't, you know, really help this cause and um in california you can apply to one or 116 of our california community colleges all through one portal and so this made it even easier for these criminals to access all of our colleges community colleges and to be able to apply to them enroll in them and then be able to apply for and obtain financial aid
2: so you then, could, what, what, you could what, use what, dozens of names and apply to dozens of colleges and get dozens of grant checks.
5: Yes, you can.
3: The, what, what does it mean in terms of paying tuition or anything else that they have to do? I mean, does the money come that quickly to them?
5: It does. And basically, they've been able to use some kind of algorithm. I am not tech savvy in that sense, but they've been able to basically have these bots, you know, just constantly applying and uh, enrolling in these courses. And for instance, in my one class that, you know, has a cap enrollment of 40, 38 of them ended up being fake students. So 38 enrolled in this class. And so they were able to, if they, Who knows if they actually ended up getting financial aid or not? I don't have access to that data. Um, But they could have. Otherwise, there's no point of them being enrolled in a class. They're not there to get an education. They don't even exist. They're not real people. So they have the opportunity to receive financial aid if they, you know, have that time frame where they can capture that financial aid and basically get away with it.
3: What are they using? They're using real people's names and some sort of identifying data? Is that what they use?
5: Yeah, they're obviously using um, real people's information. Back when I first detected this in um, summer of 2021, there were, um, in my course then, I had found um, several instances of identity theft where they had been using people's information from throughout the country even using people who were deceased. They were using their images and all of their data that I was able to find on the internet.
3: Is this because you're a criminal justice instructor? You really made it a point to try to track these down?
5: No, I just wanted to basically see how they were coming upon using these images that were in the online class. The, the images were kind of one of the reasons that I went, these do not look like normal students' images that they would use as an avatar in their class. They definitely looked like they were something from the Internet.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to ask for your techniques in trying to ferret out these, these fake students. Is that, uh, what do you usually do? What are you looking for?
5: it's not really necessarily um a technique not something that i would say hey you know this is what you should do look for a b c d e it's just a lot of times something that jumps out to me things that i see in common that are not normal or things that um, are irregular now there's kind of becoming more of a system you'll see obviously strange things in the names you'll see you know, the first name and the last name are similar, or they're the same identical first name and last name on the rosters, oftentimes you'll see them using characters or even numbers in their name. Um, Sometimes their names are um, actually very interesting. They'll actually have like a little sentence is actually part of the name. Um, they, They come up with all unique things um, just to get into class, hoping that people won't catch it. And if they get on the roster and the class begins, that means many people before it gets to the instructor have not caught that because they have been on the roster enrolled in a class for quite some time that somebody should have caught it and had them. Going
2: back to that class where you had 40 people enrolled, 38 of them were fake how did you figure this out did you have 38 bots on the first day of class staring at you from the screen
5: um my class is not a live class so wow. they have basically a week to complete the work that i assigned to them but there's built-in assignments where i can basically weed out if a person is real or not however There are some telltale signs where I basically determined that the majority of them were fake. Like nobody, except for a handful of them, actually logged into the class. So that's kind of...
2: (laughs) There's a tip-off right there. Well, they don't exist, so they're not going to log in. Yeah,
5: (laughs) Exactly. Um, And, you know, I was not the only professor at the college that this, happened to i believe mine was the the lowest um enrollment but there were other um faculty who had numbers below 10 even below five where these classes were full at one point in time up to close to a month before the um, classes began and this should have been caught way before The semester began and they weren't. And um, the enrollment at the college for specifically these late start classes um, dropped close to 3000 students just for these late start online classes. And that's a big drop in enrollment just for that time period.
3: Where do they – is the money paid – I don't know if you know the grant money. Is it paid by check or direct deposit? Or How do these scammers get it sent to them? Do they figure out some sort of scheme there?
5: So in the – I guess you would call it the old days. Actually, really just only pre-pandemic, most of the time you would go to the business office, show your ID. You would get a check, pay for, you know, obviously your tuition, books. Um, And then obviously some of the money is used for expenses, living expenses. Now it goes through basically what you mentioned, a direct deposit system. And there is, I guess you could call it maybe a um, intermediate program platform. It's called Bank Mobile. And they contract through, I believe, approximately one third of the colleges throughout the United States. And so once the college receives the money and takes their portion from what I have researched and read, it goes into this bank mobile account, and then the real students or the criminals um, can access bank mobile and request that money be sent to their own personal account, and then they have access to, to the funds.
3: Well, Kim, thank you so much for uh, coming on. We're glad you heard we were talking about this story, and uh, we enjoyed talking to you. Appreciate it.
5: Thank you very much. I appreciate your time.
3: All right. That's Kim Rich, a criminal justice instructor at Los Angeles' Pierce College. It's in Woodland Hills. And uh, she, uh, (laughs) among many other community college instructors, now have to spend some of their time looking for ghost students, fake students, bots who apply for financial aid and want to rip off the system. Johnny Ken KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.
2: Johnny Ken show, John Cobalt and Ken Champo KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the on the iHeartRadio
3: app. <laughs> Still. Uh, all right, so the voters of Los Angeles, uh, now it's more clear, got fooled. The endless well that is spending on the homeless, a homeless industrial complex, we call it, billions and billions of dollars spent, not enough. So they looked for a new way in the city of Los Angeles to drain even more money from taxpayers. And they put on the ballot Measure ULA. I think that stands for Unite LA. But it's a, it's a property transfer tax. And when they sold it, to the voters they basically said this is just going to soak the wealthy this is only going to affect people who have very very expensive homes for sale if you have a property costing between 5 million and 10 million the transfer tax is 4.45 percent when it gets above 10 million it jumps to 5.95 percent and this is above and beyond anything else you're going to pay to transfer the property they got it passed and now what we learned and we learned this because Chicago is thinking about putting the same measure on its ballot to try to get out of their, they're calling it bring chicago home transfer tax it goes before a vote in that city in march but we learned from Los Angeles councilwoman Nithya Raman that quote well we marketed it as a mansion tax and that's what made it easy for voters to get behind but now what we've learned it goes after commercial properties too. Office buildings, shopping centers, <laughs> industrial warehouses, apartment buildings where renters could get hit with these increases when so the apartment changes it, hands. It wasn't just soaking the wealthy. It ends up soaking
2: renters. Because if the taxes are heavy on a rental building, renters are going to have to pay higher rents. And it if if you're soaking Business owners, they're going to have to charge you more for their goods and services. Right. So so the Chicago Tribune did a story on what plan they were trying to pass in Chicago, and they went to Nithya Raman, and she explained how she and the others in her progressive circle fooled the public. It was marketed as a mansion tax.
3: Marketed. Not that it was a mansion tax. It was in part. And I don't that, think we even focused on the commercial aspects of this as much as just the private real estate sales. I don't remember. So maybe even we were fooled because they we said, well, it's only going to affect millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, why? I mean, how many people sell properties for more than because, five million?
2: Because who covered this other than the El Segundo propaganda times? times and yeah. I bet you if we go back and look at their coverage, that part was not prominent. And they did not dissect exactly that if you go after commercial buildings and you go after rental buildings, that it would jack up prices for for consumers and it would jack up rents for renters. Because what you need when you promote propaganda is you need media outlets to amplify the propaganda. And that's what we have here. And I bet you the TV stations barely covered this because it would be too complicated.
3: (laughs) So they talked to a guy with the California Business Properties Association and Matthew Hargrove. He's the CEO. And he said, without doing a lot of digging, you're going to find out this was a disaster for L.A. real estate. It's a market. Markets react to taxes. They're not coming anywhere near their promised numbers. That's the problem with doing policy at the ballot box. L.A. officials had predicted the first year of this new city higher transfer tax would rake in 672 million for homeless services. And proponents those really pushing this on the ballot said oh no we're gonna rake in 900 million well as of October a hundred million the first six months so you doubled that 200 million that's well short of those two predictions
2: well the uh, after, after the uh, tax went into effect uh the month of April only two mansions worth five million or more were sold in March it was 126 people sold to beat the deadline. And then after the deadline, the market dried up almost entirely from 126 to two. And that's how see most people who have made a lot of money and they have expensive homes or condos are smart people or they hire smart people. And for them, it's not hard to do math for political hacks. It's very hard to do math. They're not good at numbers. Nithya Raman is is really bottom line, a communist. So it's not surprising she wants to soak the rich and soak property owners. Remember, communists don't believe that you should own private property, and most of the people behind this measure are basically communists. Communism is having a resurgence in this country, just like anti-Semitism is. Uh, it, it it it's it's starting to look like the you know the 1930s again. 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. There was a lot of this stuff. I guess the old generation died out, and there's no public memory of what life was like under communism. What life was like uh, when when Jews were uh, being slaughtered. And and so that's why you have rebounds be, because a new generation doesn't know.
3: And if you have a ten million dollar property and you get hit with this 5.95 percent transfer tax, that is six hundred thousand dollars. Now, they're, they're going to say, well, that's just pennies to a billionaire. But, you know, if you're involved in commercial real estate where, you know, margins can be tough, particularly if you own an apartment building or a shopping center or something like that, $600,000 is a lot of money. And that's going to affect your decisions and your timing. That offends me. It's not not Nithya Raman's
2: business. Just because she doesn't have the talents and intelligence to make millions or billions of dollars, she, she, she promotes a law that denies other people. From enjoying the profits that they that they make, yeah. well, who, who the hell is she? She's like a little a uh, little gnat on your rear end, buzzing around, trying 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 to take from you what she herself cannot create. She doesn't create wealth. She's she's never created a dime of wealth in her life. Well, 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 so what is this her her wacky theory? Well, I just I don't
3: think it's fair. It's not up to you. Who are you? Who are these so people? They're if I, thinking that that some people are just putting off selling, or they're hoping maybe a court case overturns the tax hike, or and I think a recent one was not good news. I think it was upheld, uh, or they just price it if they're in that range at just under five million, so there's no wow. transfer tax. So like four point nine 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 million, right? Just to give them the finger. Yeah, and that's and
2: that's that's the tricks you have to pull, but uh, you know it should get it should get repealed. It's not producing the money, and the money is going for what. To pay more criminally crooked nonprofits, I, I I mean, that's the thing. The money just goes into a black hole and enriches people who are in the uh, in the fraud industry. Non-profit homeless uh, organizations. Hucksters. Are, <laughs> are hucksters. They're, they're, it's, it's a scam. Shysters and hucksters. Shyst, yes, it's shyster
3: and huckster. <laughs> that's we, the name of the law firm that represents them. Exactly. Right? Uh, uh, it's... Clearly, but I just love the way she said, and we've known this for as long as we've done this show, that people will vote for a tax that does not affect them. A statewide sales tax, mm. a gas tax—they're not too happy with. But you know, oh, remember the tax on millionaires for mental health services? Mm. Yes. I mean, Daryl Steinberg, oh, twenty years ago, that worked. You don't see men- mentally
2: ill people on the streets no, anymore. No, it's been that? a
3: miracle. Hasn't that done the done the job? It, it's it's all
2: crime is what they're committing. The mental health tax was a crime. This mansion tax was a crime. It's it's just taking money because you don't like successful
3: people. I mean, that is a bitter, sad person. Oh, and yes. just one quick story about that mental health tax. This came up a couple of months ago. They were trying to move some of that money out of there into housing. And I'm thinking, wow, don't we hear every day we have a mental health crisis? We don't have enough mental health workers and psych facilities. And yet they wanted to take money from mm-hmm. the millionaire's tax and move it over to more of their crazy housing ideas. That tells you all you need to know about how hopeless and useless that they are. <laughs> Right. We've got more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere. iHeart Radio app.
0: complete terms.
5: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
0: details.
4: Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh?
0: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country.
3: Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. I oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah,
1: love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah,
2: ski slopes. Let's
1: do it. Um, Ten a girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait.